0: Hello, you're listening to Dear God, What the Hell? I'm Amanda. And I'm Christina. If you're wondering who the heck we are and where on earth we came from, we suggest checking out season one before you dive into season two with us. Basically, we're two women who grew up in the white American
1: evangelical church and unpacked our upbringing on air for you to hear. And in season two, we will read and research popular passages from the Bible, discuss how and when we learned them, and apply historic, cultural, and feminist lenses to them. Welcome back, and as always, thanks for listening. All right, well, Amanda, I've missed you. Christina, I've missed you too. Oh my gosh, everyone, welcome to Season 2! woo uh, we
0: are here. Yes,
1: we are. And we are so excited to be back. The break was nice, though. I will admit, taking that nice little break, it was it's nice and calm. But I, I did miss this a lot.
0: I agree wholeheartedly. December was crazy and chill all at the same time. And so is the beginning of January. And, well, Yeah. Just a timestamp. This we are recording on the eighteenth of January, so we are. Who knows? We are. Craziness could still happen, but
1: here craziness we are. probably will happen. But we're going to try and remain positive. Oh. Try positive, mm-hmm. positive, positive. Exactly. Um, but Amanda, how has your day been today? Today is Martin Luther King Day. Everyone. Yes, Yay! it is.
0: Yes, it is. I actually thought about. Um, finding a pdf version of letter from birmingham jail and sending it in our like extended family group chat and just being like happy burton luther king jr day if you haven't read this wonderful piece of literature which i know literature is technically I guess, I don't know if it would be literature, but like, nonetheless, I thought about sending it in our family chat. And then I was like, "Mm, I'm going to do yoga. And then I did yoga instead. Yeah, good idea. Don't do it. Don't do it. it. I know. I was like, part of me wants to do it just because I like to be a problem solver and also a shit starter on occasion. But the rest of me is like, (laughs) oh. This is genuinely a great thing to read. Yeah, Please no, read it, racist Uncle Jay.
1: Oh my gosh, when he did that last night, I was like, <sighs> and my mom was like, because uh, I was just quiet on the family Zoom call until a little bit mm-hmm. later on. And also, everyone pokes fun at chorizo when I do the family oh. Zoom calls, and it makes me so sad. Like, is uh, it like lighthearted fun or like? Being a jerk, fine. I mean, it's uh, maybe kind of both because it's just kind of mean. Um, Uh-oh. Everyone is always just like, oh, like whenever I take them out, they're like, ew. And I'm like, oh. And then Steve said something about, like, cooking chorizo last night. And I was like, oh. uh. you know, to be fair, part of it's my fault because he does have a food name. Um, but for those yeah. who don't know, since we've been gone for so long, um, I don't know if I mentioned this in, in the last season. I might have. But <laughs> Christina now has a pet snake. Yay! Oh, woo. He's a little... And- <laughs> His name is Teresa. Yes, yes. His name is <laughs> Teresa. He's a little, uh, he's a little baby ball python, and he is absolutely the sweetest thing I've ever had. Um, he he is. He's a he's a total sweetheart, and I do love him very very much. But um, he's also uh, I just don't know how they survive in the wild. He's dumber than a box of rocks. Uh,
0: I remember that from our Facetime. He yeah. was just very. He's he's a noodle with a heart. Uh, but not necessarily a brain
1: yes i like there's nothing going on behind those eyes and that's okay um i love him anyway but today has just been kind of like a relaxing day been doing some chores i got okay this is this is gonna sound like like a real western thing to say a real southwestern (laughs) thing to say but fuck Real Christmas trees. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said it. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. Like, I know they smell so fucking good. I know. And they're so pretty. However, I just had to remove all the decorations off of the tree because it was dry as hell.
0: And Mm.
1: take the tree down to the garbage bin. And my neighbor, bless his heart, was willing to help me move said tree. And he grabbed it in a way that tilted the bucket below it. (gasps) Which was full of water. Which uh, spilled all in my apartment. Which is is fine. I was able to clean it up. It was just water. But it just like made this mess. And then the needles went everywhere. And I was like, this Mm. is not worth it this is not mm-hmm. worth it Um. now I, I, mean. I have so many friends from the Midwest and we have family Becky's that will kill me for the fact that I've said this but it's, uh, I just like you mm-hmm. can you can there are bath and body Works scent sprays that you can get that mm-hmm. smell like a tree farm and make it smell like a tree farm without actually having a real tree and they're uh, they're so pretty I just I can't though
0: I will one up you there's something even better than bath and bodywork spray, which like I'm right there with you. Like we almost always had fake trees when I was growing up, except for the couple times when my parents, one year my parents got a Costco tree and I just remember it like scratching me in the arms when we decorated. And then My dad also loves and will advocate for live trees, so not like chopped down trees, but trees that are actually in like planter buckets because when you're done with them, you can plant them afterwards and you didn't kill a tree and whatever other reason my dad loves them, mostly because you can plant them afterwards, but they make these like... I want to say like aromatherapy sticks, which makes it sound like incense, but it's not, but they make these like little ornaments that you can hang on your tree that smell like pine. And we got a tube two years ago and they're pretty strong smelling. So we used like three of the sticks last year and then three of the sticks this year. So next year we'll need to buy more of them, but like they last a really long time if you don't take them out of their like little savings tube Mm -hmm. and they make, the house smelled good but i definitely feel you on the shedding needles part because we just put away our fake tree and oh buddy did we have some vacuuming to do afterwards because that thing still drops needles like nobody's business
1: and and my neighbor brought up a really good point he's like christina what technically what what do you celebrate during the holidays i'm like well you know christmas is a thing but i i lit my candles at hanukkah and he was just like what do you have to clean up with the candles and i was like "Eh, the wax but it's not that bad he goes so do you need a tree next year i went no (laughs) correct i was like no i do not and my mom's always been like get a hanukkah bush i'm like mom a a hanukkah bush i don't i don't even know what they look like like i i don't hold on let's see hanukkah (laughs) bush
0: I've never heard of one of those. If this is
1: a play on, like, a woman, I'm going to be upset.
0: I was about to say, is it, like...
1: Never mind. No, but I found the dinosaur menorah that our mutual buddy has.
0: Oh, my gosh. I see what a Hanukkah bush looks like. Oh, my gosh. The dinosaur menorah? Yes.
1: Yeah, on Etsy. I mean, those things are so easy to make. You can just take, like, like a plastic dinosaur and put little, mm. like, rivets in it and then stick little... um candles in it but oh my god then there's a shalom gnome i hate it
0: oh my gosh a hanukkah bush literally just looks like a short shrubby tree that's exactly what it looks like hanukkah ornaments on it Mm mm-hmm (sighs) anyways wow
1: anyways that that was my day but the tree is now uh down by the dumpster and as a southwestern girl born and raised i will never understand having a real tree and i'm probably that's probably going to divide quite a few of our listeners but um i'm sorry uh i just don't get it i'm sorry like uh i'm done i
0: feel that I'm done. i know i i full i fully agree with you and we'll Get off echo that side. like what's what's the point i don't think there is a point it's just i don't see a point in it
1: yeah no no <laughs> me neither me neither me neither <laughs> Fine. Um, but anyways, anyway <laughs> anyways everyone yes season two season two amanda what are we doing in season two
0: Okay, so for season two, we are going to be looking at different passages in the Bible by like chapter and verse, and also different like themes in the Bible thematically. And we're going to be reading this ancient scripture text through a i'm trying to remember what we had in like our intro or like our trailer for this season i think it was through like a feminist and a literary lens let's see
1: what that's not about right (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) yes we were uh we'll be reading and researching this ancient spiritual text in no particular order and applying historic cultural and feminist lenses to it Boom. That's it right there. That's what we're gonna be doing. So today we are starting with the be all, the end all. The probably the- m- most popular verse that I ever ran into in um in church. And I don't know about you, Amanda, but I want to give our listeners like maybe a couple seconds to see if they can guess it.
0: Yeah. So see if you can guess what verse we're talking about. Yeah. It's probably as a hint it's probably the first verse that i memorized oh same do you do you have
1: a hint um there were so many songs that this verse was in and like they did songs to help you memorize it um with awana the group that i was in this was like the core verse so this was always the one that was that was taught um Mm. majorly i mean it had other verses because uh the awana itself comes from a specific verse but this was the one that was like the core verse so um i don't know if y'all have guessed it but uh do you do you want to reveal it amanda drum roll
0: drum roll roll. the verse we are talking about today is john 316
1: Yes, yes, the the most popular verse. And to tell you guys, I haven't been to church um as a regular uh, member in God like almost 10 years and I still know this verse. I still have it memorized. Mhm. And um I I could recite it. I could recite what I have. Do you want me to recite it?
0: Yeah, dude. You you do sixteen, I'll do seventeen.
1: Yeah, because I don't have seventeen memorized. All I know is John three, sixteen. And that is, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whomsoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And verse
0: seven ooh, that last bit is definitely something added on that I do not remember memorizing. Um, oh,
1: yeah, it was either in Jesus Christ our Lord or in Christ our Lord. We, oh, we I just had, had...
0: had Oh, wow. My church was always just like, he'll have everlasting life. Boom. Mm-hmm. Um, verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him.
1: Yep, you heard that here, folks. If you don't sin a little bit, Jesus died for nothing.
0: Yeah, what? No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was like, "Say what?" All right, that's a TikTok audio that I find absolutely hilarious. But
0: oh my gosh,
1: uh, it's—I mean, it's a little true because Jesus took all the sins on the cross, theoretically, and so you know, if you don't sin a little bit, Jesus died for nothing. That is
0: such a sight. That is such a way to look at it. Um, <laughs> but whew, yeah, no, that verse is definitely the first thing I remember learning in. Uh, I want to say, like, it was probably a vacation Bible school or something.
1: Yeah. Do you remember, like, how old you were when you first remembered uh, interacting with that verse?
0: Mm, Well, okay. Actually, I probably would have been in kindergarten because we started memorizing Bible verses in kindergarten or first grade. And I remember... Like one of the verses we had to memorize, which is like a whole chapter, was one of the psalms. And if we were memorizing complete psalms in kindergarten, I have no doubt that we probably like kicked off the year with John three sixteen or something. And if not kindergarten, then definitely by first grade.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely remember um, when I was growing up, definitely at a young age, they had us memorizing verses. And like if you knew the verses by the end of the class, you mm-hmm. would get like a a reward from like the treasure chest or something, which I think is ridiculous. Ooh. It's like having um it's like having students memorize dates in history.
0: Cause and then giving them candy
1: when they have it right. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but dates and history are are great, but you need to talk about like what's going on. Unless it's for AP
0: world history or AP US history, in which point just memorize it all.
1: Memorize it all. Go. Um, just go. Yeah, and like, I don't know, I just felt like uh, getting kids to memorize Bible verses is is not good. Yeah,
0: I think I'm right there with you. Like, I think that it can serve a purpose, but I also, from like a pedagogy standpoint or like a teaching standpoint, memorization is like the basis of all other forms of learning. So like on one hand, I'm like, yeah, like it's pretty shitty to make kids memorize verses so they can get something out of a toy box. But on the other hand, like if a kid is actually genuinely interested in it, like yeah. memorizing something is kind of the first step to understanding For because sure. being able to like go back and look at something and like regurgitate it without having to think too much about it itself um, is a useful skill, like citing evidence.
1: Yeah, no, that I completely agree with because, um, and and that's, I mean, that's something that we beat to death last season. Is that you know, the, these kids and ourselves, we were taught things at such a young age that we didn't fully understand. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so the like, I could say like I had all these Bible verses memorized, but I couldn't tell you what they really, really meant. Exactly. And even though John yeah. 3.16 is pretty straightforward with what it means, um, mm-hmm. I still didn't have the full scope understood. I really didn't because it's saying, like, if you put all your faith and belief in in God and and, and Jesus Christ, then you'll be saved. And, and I didn't know what that meant as, you know, a five, six, seven, eight year old. Yeah. And
0: honestly, I'm... I'm still like a little bit actually, let me start with this question, like when you you just mentioned that like when you first learned the verse, you didn't hundred percent like understand what it meant, like it had the surface level understanding, but like what how was it like taught to you, and also like I'm still amazed at the idea that you added on an entire like thing at the end that I never learned per se,
1: oh yeah, uh it honestly, it just depended on where we were learning it from, um. So, I know that certain, like, songs, if I remember correctly, had um, In Christ Our Lord or In Jesus Christ Our Lord
0: at the end of
1: it. So, that could have just, it honestly could have just been, like, uh, one of those just kind of hitting me in the head and I had to add it on. It was, like, a twitch or something. But, um, mostly in the context, it was always in, John 3.16 was always used for, um. Oh, what am I trying to say here? It was always used for. I could only. I could only think of this recruitment purposes. Uh huh. Um. Basically, so it was always used to get people to uh, believe in God. So I. I distinctly remember this. Um, in what we called "quote unquote" big church, where all the adults were. Mm-hmm. Um, they would go in. And near the end of the service, they would have, you know, if anyone wants to commit their life to Christ, remember John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. And so they would always repeat that verse whenever they were trying to get people to believe in God. Mm-hmm. And it was always what we were told as well when we were, um, you know, in VBS and things like that. Definitely in VBS. It was a very popular verse in VBS, mm-hmm. especially when it came to Thursday, which was always Believe in God Day. Um <laughs>
0: Oh, oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah like Try night. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because we would get to Thursday, and Thursday was always the day. Like they'd focus on the like the hardcore stuff, like believing in God, or else you're going to hell. That kind of stuff. Oof. Exactly. So that's when I had to. That's that's when John three sixteen was used in like lesson wise for us. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. it was the Bible verse that was like always on the wall. Um, always written out somewhere in the student classrooms. Uh, But what about you? When Was it the same thing for you, like when you saw John 3.16? Yeah,
0: so I didn't really like dig too deep into it or think too much about it at first. It was definitely like put in the frame of like, oh, like you need to accept Jesus into your heart if you want to live forever um, or avoid hell, dun-dun-dun-dun, but I think I was in like probably seventh or eighth grade when we memorized verse 17, the for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And I remember like while we were memorizing that in whatever junior high or middle school grade it was, like somebody asked the question, like, wait a second, like this doesn't say anything about like praying the sinner's prayer, accepting Jesus into your heart. And our teacher like turned that into a pretty big class discussion about like, yeah, you know what? That actually... Whole idea about like praying and accepting Jesus into your heart isn't really in the Bible at all, but it does say that like whoever believes in his one and only son shall not perish but have eternal life. So what do we make of that class? And I just remember our whole group of middle schoolers being like, What? And just being like, um, excuse me, and kind of just like having that little worldview that we got about praying the sinner's prayer shattering a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit, geez.
0: Yeah. But at the same time, like, I think that that was like my own beginning of being like, oh, like, so what I've always been taught isn't necessarily biblical in the literal sense that it's not mentioned anywhere specifically in the Bible. And like, maybe you can have eternal life with just believing and not necessarily like praying that prayer and stuff. So that's like the first thing I remember like learning and thinking about it. while like actually actively thinking about it instead of just kind of like taking what I was taught and putting it into my brain
1: well that's good it sounds like this verse kind of sparked that for you because you're you're a very critical thinker (laughs) yeah which i which i love because i do have i do have those um that drive myself it's def it's not Mm -hmm. as strong as yours you you go gung-ho and i love it um and so I think that that's really cool that the first episode of this season, we're talking about a verse that sparked your interest to, like, critically look at just what you're being told, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, But I want to hear your thoughts, because I see you've written down some things here. Yeah. So,
0: like, some of my thoughts about this as a whole is just, like, looking at... so. Same teacher, so I had the same like Bible teacher for seventh and eighth grade, so like both of those years kind of like blend together, they but do. one thing I remember was when we learned about the gospels, so Matthew Mark Luke and John um John is like a different form of gospel. it's not like one of the synoptic gospels um it doesn't necessarily like tell the story of Jesus's ministry from beginning to end. it follows like a different um, sort of like thread, so to speak. And it's also, if I recall correctly, and I'm pretty sure I do, John is written in like a more creative fashion. And John has been like my favorite of the four gospels probably since I learned this in seventh or eighth grade. Um, so like when we look at this chapter, it's after like Jesus performed his first miracle and, one of the like Pharisees or like leaders of the church is visiting with Jesus and is talking to him. So like when we look at these verses, something that I didn't or don't remember being taught very much um, or very closely is the idea that like Jesus is speaking specifically to one person who is like in a position of power and who wants to know like what he has to do to quote unquote like be saved
1: right? Um, and, and what. Explain to our listeners who the Pharisees were just in case they're there. They don't know.
0: Yeah. So the Pharisees are um, like a group of like church leaders for the Jewish people in this time period. Um, and they didn't like Jesus. At this point in time, since I don't think that this was like far enough into Jesus's um, oh, whole entire thing okay. for them to have an opinion of him yet. But yeah, by the end of by the end of the book, yeah, they don't really like Jesus very much. But like this is pretty early on. This is like in the curiosity stage. Like, yeah, oh, but like they're they're there's... interested
1: in what he has to say because they're like, who is this guy? Yes. And if not as like a whole group
0: of people who are necessarily interested. Um definitely like individuals are interested. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. So yeah. So like when I look at this, I think like something that I wasn't really taught and something that like if I'm reading this like critically, is that like people need to remember that like Jesus isn't preaching to a large group of people when he says this. Jesus mm-hmm. is talking to one individual who came to him and basically said like, "Hey, um, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God, but like, who are you, and how exactly do I like become?" quote unquote, born again. This is also like the chapter where the whole entire idea of being born again comes in, which is another topic for another time.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But woof.
1: (laughs) I mean, I mean, we can kind of touch on it here because I mean, John 316 does say like everlasting life. And that's true. Yeah. I mean, we could just touch on it. The the idea here is when you accept God into your life, um, you are born again. So everything previously, at least this is what I, I was taught. Um, yeah. everything previous to that moment is is washed away and you are made new yes yeah so that that's what she means when when she says that and and it is something that is kind of touched on here definitely more so later on mm-hmm. but uh i feel like it does tie into john three sixteen just a little bit
0: I think so too. And actually now that I, I'm looking, I have like a, I don't even know what translation this is in front of me. I have the new revised standard version open in front of me. Um, And I'm like looking at it right now, but if you look at like chapter three, verse five, Jesus tells Nicodemus um, very truly, I tell you no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Um, And like, when I look at that, or sorry and verse 6 says what is born of the flesh is flesh and what is born of the spirit is spirit. So like when i look at that and like think about it critically myself i one love the metaphor that's going on here. Um particularly the idea of like being born of like the flesh like being physically born of the flesh and secondarily of being born of the spirit but something that i always found was like really interesting and like I hope you don't think that I'm picking on you because I'm not picking on you. But something that I always thought was interesting was that like John 3, 16 specifically never, like it doesn't end with the statement that like, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Like it, it's specific to the degree that it talks about like God loved the world. God gave his son and anybody who believes in him will have eternal life. But it, when paired with like the idea of being born in the spirit, It is both very clear from, like, its own standpoint, but it also, like, I feel like it leaves some openness to it, especially when you add verse 17 and, like, the idea that God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him or that the world might be made right. And, like... I don't know. I think, like, what I feel when I read this or what I felt the first time that I read this and, like, realized that, like, the whole entire idea of the sinner's prayer wasn't in here, I felt like I had been lied to a little bit my whole life. But as I reread through it, I feel like it's very, I don't know, the idea of being born again in the spirit is really encouraging.
1: Yeah, because I think it it's more welcoming. Yeah. and you don't hear too much of it and in the church at least that i grew up in specifically you know you didn't hear too you heard like welcome say hi to those around you all that jazz Mm -hmm. which is which is great you know introduce yourself to people you might not know Mm -hmm. um and then sit down and listen to you know how we want you to be which yeah to me is 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 ridiculous um go Go ahead
0: it almost feels like a kind of gotcha sort of verse. If you just read like verse 16 by itself, it's like, oh, ho, ho, like we gotcha. You got to believe in Jesus like this and you got to accept him into your heart, even though it doesn't specifically say that, but you have to believe in him. Otherwise you will perish.
1: Exactly. It, Which, is, like, it is a gotcha verse. You're absolutely right. Yeah. It's, it's it's one of the many verses we're going to go over this season where it's, it's taken out of context. And the full the full context of it is not given Yeah, when it was especially, indoctrinated into our brains as young children.
0: Yeah, especially like the idea that like, hey, verse 17 is literally saying that God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world. Like the purpose isn't to condemn. The purpose isn't to be a gotcha. The purpose isn't to be like, you better believe in Jesus or else you will not have eternal life. It's very much like, hey, like, by the way. Jesus isn't here to, like, tell y'all you're going to hell. Jesus is here to give you hope.
1: Exactly. And that'll tie into another verse that we'll talk about um, in a few coming episodes. I think it'll be um, – I'll find out which episode it'll be in just yes. a second. But I think I think you'll know uh, which episode I'm talking about uh, once I bring it up here. Let's see which one, which one, which one. This will be, be episode four. Okay. Um, and I'll let you look it up so you can see what verse that'll be. But this, we'll probably talk about John 316 in episode four as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because episode four is also a very, very gotcha verse. Uh, A lot of these are. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that, um, for me, my thoughts on John 316 is it was always taken out of context. I mean we almost never focused on the stories uh, of like what was happening previously or who Jesus was talking to. I think I remember as soon as you said, like he was talking to a Pharisee, I remember maybe one person ever in my Christian, uh, like time in the Christian church Mm -hmm. might've pointed that out to me, but for the most part, nobody did. So Mm -hmm. all I ever spat out was, you know, um, forgot to love the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life and so that is always what i just kind of spat out it's like mm-hmm. you have to believe in god you have to believe in god and you have to do it this way um so i think that really sucks because the way that you described it it's like when you just see john 3 16 it's a definite gotcha verse but when you add in 17 It's like, hey, look, we're not here to, you know, shit on you. We're not here to (laughs) to judge you. We're here to just to to save you. Mm -hmm. Um, which I still kind of have some issues with, because like savior complex, but yeah, but you know, and I feel like that's so much of a nicer way to put it. Than yeah. to just focus on John three sixteen and and this being said, folks, you know they could have changed it. I mean, I as we're not obviously kids in the church anymore, so we don't know what's going on. Um, I would hope that they're being more inclusive of the verses around mm-hmm. just the one. But I mean, honestly, when you're having kids memorize verses because they can get like a Chinese um, was Chinese finger trap out of a treasure chest, it's like, oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, and that's always what I picked, and I always <laughs> broke them within five minutes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh my gosh.
1: But I mean it it's it's a definite gotcha verse. It's a definite um mm-hmm. it's a fear verse to me as well because that word perish is so harsh. Yeah. It instills a lot of fear. Yeah. And you know, um I do I do think at least from what I remember about the Bible, um, you know, God, he wants you to love him, but he also wants you to fear him. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that that was a little interesting. And um, I don't know. What what do you think about that? I, I, I don't know. Um,
0: you said that and it automatically made me think of a meme that... <laughs> somebody, I don't remember who posted it. And I also deleted Instagram like two weeks ago for my January Instagram list time. But um, shoot, there's another like deconstructing podcast. I think it might be Dirty Rotten Church Kids, but they did like an Instagram contest where you made memes that like, God is loving and also just um, in that idea. But I I agree with you that I think that, like, too often this verse is used as, like, a fear tactic, kind of, like, scaring kids out of hell is used as a fear tactic to sort of try to, like, quote-unquote bring people into the fold, to use some church lingo. Yeah. But – I think if we read like the entire section where like Nicodemus visits Jesus and look at it in a whole context which would be like from verse 1 to 21 you see that the entire context of it is not one of fear it's not one of like god trying to strike fear or Jesus trying to strike fear into Nicodemus and being like aha you're right like i am from god and you better believe in me or else you're going to die forever um but rather it's somebody humbly coming to Jesus and being like hey bro i noticed you're different like why are you different and god like giving this sort of like analogy of being reborn and like the joy that comes with that. Because when you think about like birth and the new life that comes with it, like one of my friends is having a baby next month and like, I just am so she doesn't even live near us. And like we're in COVID times and I don't even see her very often, but like the joy and anticipation and like celebration that comes with a new life being born and like a new life with so much potential and hope that is to be lived um I can't help but see this section of John and only think of like hope and joy and life because I think that that is honestly like the true tone that should be behind these verses instead of one of fear
1: yeah no I completely agree absolutely and and that's That's the main thing that we're trying to do with this podcast in general is we want to show you guys, like, meanwhile, while I'm not religious, I truly believe that the core basis of religion should be something that inspires, like, positivity and passion and hope and welcoming. Mm -hmm. And And justice. And justice, absolutely. And when you take these verses out of context, they do the exact opposite. Mm Mm-hmm. And now I know for a fact, like in the adult church, they will talk about John three and Nicodemus and it it all makes sense. But as a kid, it's extremely fear mongering. And Mm -hmm. I wish that people would trust kids to understand it a little bit better or, you know, maybe don't let kids go to the church. <laughs> or or don't try and indoctrinate them at such a young age when they don't understand it. And yeah, and, don't
0: bribe.
1: Yeah, don't bribe, nothing like that, but rather um when they start asking questions that they want mm-hmm. to understand. Cuz I I do remember asking questions in church and being honestly curious about certain oh, yeah. things and and wanting to know more and my leaders were more than welcome more than happy to do that. Um mm-hmm. I just wish that it was something that was, like, if you ask questions, like, they're more than happy to listen. But, um, you know, until then, let's just watch, you know, positive videos or, you know, let's just teach each other how to be good people, yeah. uh, be kind to one another. Teach teach those core values first. Yeah. And then, like, the fancy words later. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Also, I think. Oh, Sorry. No, you're good. I was about to say yeah, like I agree wholeheartedly. I think that like it's very one thing that I've thought a lot about um and had like a little bit of experience with is that like during the advent season our church taught um from like the children's materials that they use instead of doing like grown-up sermons everybody went to kids church for 4 weeks basically, which I really liked it. Oh, yeah it focused on one, it was really cool to see like the curriculum that they use because it's like super inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, But second, it was really cool because the way that like the Bible stories are delivered like intentionally in the children's church is through just like storytelling. And it's literally like, here are some pictures with no words. The adult like gives the pictures words and it's pretty much all like either parables or like, Old Testament like creation myth stories or um, in this case it was like John the Baptist and like how his parents came to have him and it was really really cool and really sweet so yeah I agree with you wholeheartedly I think that like I guess like I would like to imagine that a lot of parents or like children's pastors are like nervous and want kids to find Jesus but I also think that It's important for adults to remember that, like, yes, kids are able to handle, like, difficult topics and, like, talk about hard things. But also, like, there's really no reason to, like, scare kids with scary things before they need to hear them.
1: Oh, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, All I was going to say was, (laughs) tell me why I was confusing Nicodemus with Zacchaeus. Oh, my God.
0: One of them was a wee little man, Christina. I know. I know. I
1: know. So I, I was like, I went to Google and I searched Nicodemus was a wee little man. And then I was like, oh, I found the rhyme. Ha, ha, ha. I'll sing it. And then I was like, oh, no, wait, that's Zacchaeus. I was like, oh, <laughs> that, that's not Nicodemus. My bad. <laughs> that is hilarious. Their oh names kind of have the same flow going. So I feel like that's, you know, I, I have a little bit of an excuse for that. Um, now, they rhyme. They definitely rhyme. Demis, kind of. Yeah, they do. So um, I am going to chalk that one up to rhyming and my brain just associating things. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think that... um, I think that, you know, children... Yeah, and children definitely can handle a lot more than we give them credit for. And they understand things a lot more than we give them credit for. Um, Mm -hmm. I just wish that... We would approach it differently than just taking Bible verses out of context and just chucking them at them and being like, "Memorize this," and you get a Chinese finger trap.
0: Yes, I honestly, and this is the teacher in me. I think it would be so cool if, like, God, this is going to sound so cheesy. And for anybody who hates public education, one, why are you listening? Two, like, you're going to (laughs) hate me more. Um, I think it would be super cool if there was like some sort of like curriculum standards for. Bible stories being paired with Bible verses cuz like I distinctly remember that from Sunday school like we would hear a Bible story in Sunday school and then we would have a completely unrelated verse to memorize which was just like what the heck like why um I think it would be really cool if like verses came from the stories within which they are trying to be taught and maybe it is that way because when I think about it like last time I was in children's ministry I was like I don't know 10 so that would have been 17 years ago.
1: <laughs> oh, God. So here we are. <laughs> oh, God. Are you? No, you're not 27. Girl, yes I am. Oh my god, no. Oh, that's right, I'm turning 27 this year.
0: I know, I was uh, like, you were younger than me, you're turning 27.
1: I know, I know, I know, I just, oh god, we're so close to 30. Ugh. I'm officially
0: old enough that when people are like, how old are you? I have to stop and think, what? like, really stop and think. And you're like, oh
1: god, how old am I? I don't <laughs> know.
0: Honestly, old enough that I'd like to forget how old I am.
1: Oh, same. Same. Yeah. Same. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Do you have any final thoughts on John 3.16, our opening to season two here?
0: Um, My only final thought is that if you're going to memorize it, make sure you memorize verse
1: 17 as well. Absolutely. Look look at the story as a whole. Maybe use John 3.16 as a starting point and like go start at John 3 and like read all the way through yeah read the whole thing yeah because the story of nicodemus is actually pretty cool especially because he was a pharisee and um i was looking at this online and you know the second time that uh nicodemus is mentioned i'm not sure if this is this is probably after john 3 but um he reminds his colleagues so other pharisees that the law requires that a person be heard before being judged oh good excellent Mm -hmm. So he advocates for fairness in trials. Yes, and we do love that. We do love that. Um, Are we going to do
0: recommendations in this season? I honestly don't have anything to recommend. I might do it if I have something to recommend, but I don't really have anything today. I'm genuinely trying to scale back on the amount of things that I read and listen to and just enjoy calmness more
1: that's fair to be honest you go through so much and i'm always just like gosh
0: she's doing so much dude i went ham last year i am not trying to read 52 books in a year ever again it was too much oh god that's a book a week yeah oh
1: i (laughs) get it i get it um well my recommendation um ava has read them Oh Yeah, no, Ava's read them. Kat and I are currently reading them. But I love this series so much. It's my smutty Scottish Highlander series. <laughs> and it is Outlander by Diana Gabaldon. Um, I absolutely love this series. Um, it's actually, like, a good book. And when I tell you I haven't flown through books like this since uh, Harry Potter. Um, so, yeah, no, I... Uh, i love it i'm about halfway through the first one right now but i i really need to get on it and i feel so bad because i was really into reading them and then i got Mm -hmm. stuck at i believe drums of autumn which is the fourth book and they just finished season five it's a series on stars as well um but the books are so much better they're really really good and they're full of like sexy scottish scenes and wonderfulness men in kilts all that good jazz and lots of whiskey oh fine so i think if you want something fun to read if you're looking for like a nice little fantasy series to read it's about a woman who um lives in the year 1945 and she gets transported back in time to uh the year 1743 in scotland and so she's an english woman in scotland in the 1700s which is like a big thing because she's what they consider an outlander and the scottish and the uh english were like butting heads um is the nice way to put it but yeah no because it's interesting because i don't know too much history about you know the united kingdom yeah neither do i yeah so um it's, it's very, very interesting in that aspect because you I did not know that they were so at war with each other. I didn't know anything about like the risings that the Scottish people did to try and fight back against the British. Yeah. Um, there was a time where um, there were all the, there were some battles to get a Scot back on the throne to get a Catholic back on the throne to upseat the Protestants. So really, really interesting. The author is great. There are eight books right now. Um, oh. I think she's going to an even 10. But if y'all want something fun to read, Outlander is a great one. It's an easy read and um it's uh it's very romancey, but also like very just rich in history too, which makes me love it. Excellent. Did you think of something to uh I did you did? I, I did. knew I need- it
0: I need to look up the author's name. So this is like a small zine. Um I it's not really a full book but it's by Adam Eli and it's called The New Queer Conscience and I actually listened to it on ebook instead of sorry I listened to it on audiobook instead of reading it in an ebook um and it's a really good I it's a really good extended essay book thing I don't know what to call it. It's a book, but it's really short to be a book. It only took me like an hour and a half to listen to it. Um, But essentially the author, Adam Eli, argues the need for like a new queer conscience um, and the idea that – Anybody who identifies as queer anywhere is responsible for the well-being of um, queers everywhere, which is also something that I learned in some organizing spaces in college. The idea of like collective liberation that like nobody is free unless everybody is free or nobody is free until everybody is free. And that actually might have been the first book that I listened to at all this year. And it's really just stuck in my head and my heart um, as a good life lesson for everybody.
1: Yay.
0: There's also, ooh, there's also one more thing that I've already like incorporated in my teaching and like quoted in my teaching. And it's the idea of like the platinum rule instead of the golden rule. Um, because like, I think we can all agree that we as humans sometimes treat ourselves really shittily. And the idea of like treat others in the way that you want to be treated doesn't always translate well. But the platinum rule, um, as Adam explains in the book, is to treat others Everybody, in the way you would want your best friend in the whole wide world to be treated. Oh, which my students were having like an argument about the golden rule online the other day, which I was like, wow, what a strange argument to be having. And they were like, I don't think it's worth it. And other students are like, I think it's a great rule. And I was like, what about the platinum rule? And they're like, where did you get that? (laughs) Here's the book.
1: (laughs) And they probably loved it.
0: I hope they did. I think they did. But yeah, I definitely, it's, not a super long read. Not a super long listen. I highly recommend it.
1: Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Well, that is episode one. Woohoo of season two of season two, and we hope you guys have enjoyed it. Definitely, um, give us feedback. Obviously, follow, like, subscribe on Twitter, Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. I love Amanda's little hiccups. (laughs) I'm so sorry, Uh, I tried so hard to (laughs) stop it. (laughs) It happens, it's fine, it's fine. Um, and always feel free to call in and just say, you know, something that you might want to hear. Or we, we just really appreciate the feedback. And the more we get from you guys, the more we know what you want to hear from us. So um, it just helps us grow and make this podcast all the more better.
0: It truly does. So thank you all so much for listening and tuning in. We've got great stuff coming up ahead on season two. This has been Amanda
1: and Christina,
0: on Dear God, What the Hell. See y'all next week.